I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Y'all, have I got some updates for you today. So a few episodes back, we were talking about Cheryl Crow and how she recommended using only one square of toilet paper. But then later down the line revealed that she didn't actually only use one square. Well, according to my friend Virginia, who, as you know, is into the dark shit, as we like to say on here, she always gives me the articles. I'm like, oh, is this too dark? But then I talk about them anyways. Um, She texted me this week saying that she does, in fact, use one square of toilet paper. And I asked her to instruct me how to do this because I tried it and it didn't go well. So this is her technique. Now, y'all try this and get back to me because I tried it and I hated it and I never did it again. But I also use single ply as to not clog up my 1938 plumbing so maybe that has something to do with it so she says you take it and you roll it up the one square and then you hold it like a pencil and then you wipe so that your fingers are not involved in touching you know (laughs) and that that somehow is supposed to clean it off and I'm sorry I still felt really wet after that okay (laughs) Moving on, Mason Disick got back on Instagram Live and called Jeffree Star spoiled. If that kid does not just continue to spill the tea, like, what does the world come to? I kept texting Noah Centineo, as I told you guys a couple weeks back. There's this new thing called Community, where tech or celebs give out their phone number, quote unquote. Uh, I texted him many times, and he never got back to me. I kept getting mass texts from him. So I guess we will never get an explanation for his tweet about it probably isn't the birth control making you feel this way, which is honestly crushing. So then I moved on today to texting David Harper. Harbor. David Harbor, as you probably know, plays Hopper on Stranger Things. And I texted him this. Fellow Dartmouth grad, just wanted to say sup and that your 80 house tour is my favorite. I have a podcast called Kinda Cute and would love if you could share the first place you are going to go when quarantine is over or your thoughts on Noah Centineo or the Taylor versus Kanye issue. Thank you for your time, lol. Uh, I know that swung widely all over the place. I was just really trying to throw some darts and see if any of them would stick because but I just thought maybe if I hit quarantine, if I hit a current pop culture thing, that maybe he would respond to me. And and the fact that we're both Dartmouth grads, hello, like fellow alums, doesn't that give us like something kind of in common that not everyone has? I guess not. I thought I thought this could be something, Zaddy David. Elena and I always call him Zaddy. Like he's such a Zaddy. You need to watch his architectural digest thing. And like we're so jealous of Lily Allen. Whew. Don't get me started. Okay. Uh, To help us during these trying times, Lindsay Lohan is releasing a new song. It's called Back to Me. And guys, it's jam. It's jam a lamb. It's high key a jam. I don't know what to tell you. Please give it a listen. She released a teaser of it on her Instagram. And yeah, I'll insert the little clip if I can of Lindsay's new song. Oh, but I know that everything changes. All things turn to basics. Now I'm coming back. I'm coming back to me. To me. to our articles of the day. Now, this first one's a little subversive because it's the response to Natalie Beach's I Was Caroline Calloway on The Cut. Obviously, this is a podcast where we discuss articles from The Cut. So Caroline Calloway came out with her response to Natalie's article. 
If you need a refresher on this, go back, listen to episode nine of this podcast right now. You'll get caught up. Or just go and read the article, the Natalie Beach article, if you prefer to do that. But I think you need to do that first. Give yourself some context. Well, originally, Caroline said she was going to release her response to Natalie's article on The Cut as well. But during coronavirus, she decided that instead she was going to self-publish it behind a paywall. People would have to give a $10 donation to access the article. And did I pay that $10? Am I going to declare it as a tax write-off? You bet your bottom dollar. So when you get into the paywall, it says, it's so funny because it's literally made to look exactly like a cut article. It's under the category power. The cut is scribbled out and handwritten. It says the amount we've raised for charity is, and as I'm reading this, it's at $30,534. The title is I am Caroline Calloway. During quarantine, I'm relying more than ever on media trans to transport me by Caroline Calloway. So I just felt like this was so fitting because while it's not technically the cut, it's in the same format. She was going to give it to the cut. So actually she was going to sell it to the cut. So I applaud her for this going to a great cause and let's get into it so one thing i have to say right off the bat is caroline jokes all the time that typos are her brand and this was replete with typos like very 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 obvious typos to the point that if even just one person had read it they would have been caught because i am not a grammar police i don't i'm really bad at catching my own typos but there is definitely quite a few um so i don't know if they were purposely left in because it is her brand and she wanted to stay true to that in which case you know being true to your brand in these times is important so but that's just something i wanted to note Oh, and also before I get into this, to any of you who are new here, I am a Caroline fan. I have been a fan of her back since, honestly, she very, very, very first blew up on Instagram, like 2013, 14 is when I started following her. Um, it definitely wasn't at the same level it is now. It wasn't the same kind of place we're in now with her. So I am a fan. I don't think she's perfect. I don't think she says she's perfect. I think she's just a... 20 something year old girl navigating life like a lot of people are yeah is she in a different position does she come from privilege yes 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 does she acknowledge that yes Do, I, I I don't know how so many people have an issue with her but the way I look at it is I like imbibing her content it entertains me I like her writing I think I see entertainment for what it is. I don't know her in person. I don't know who she is as a friend. So all I can view it on is if whether she writes stuff, content that's entertaining to me, and I think she does. So we are not here to bash Caroline. We're just going to go over some of the things she said in her response that struck me. And I think a lot of what Caroline has said over the years or what she came out with right after the Natalie article is sort of clarified through this piece. There wasn't a lot that kind of was like shocking and oh my god in this part one at least maybe she's saving that up for the later parts of it because I think it's three or four parts that she's releasing it in. Um, right after Natalie's article was released, she clarified the captions that Natalie co-wrote with her and talked about how the ones she did with Kelsey were really when she started to pop off and yeah, like I said, I, I didn't think a lot of it was brand new cutting edge stuff, but this did have some new info in it. And I think it was beautifully written. And maybe this is a hot take. Maybe it's not. But I prefer Caroline's writing over Natalie's. I said when I did Natalie's article that it was also beautifully written. But Caroline's sense of humor is just something that 
connects with me a little more back to why I think I've probably been a fan of her through all these years her sense of humor has remained sort of consistent it's definitely gone a little bit edgy I would say as of late but I find it funny and her writing is very transportive and just like she said in this that she's counting on media to transport her at this time I do find her writing to do that and yeah so let's just get into a few of my favorite tidbits from it. I just did some screenshots on my phone, so I'm just going to read the parts that I liked. She's very self-reflective in it, uh, almost meta self-aware. So she says, I hate the paragraph about childhood when a narrator does a subtle flex on what they read as a kid. It's like, okay, we get it. You are a precocious 10-year-old who loved Dostoevsky. Wait, how do you say that, Kenzie? Dostoevsky. Oh my God, guys, I'm so stupid. <laughs> with a pure heart I like delicious trash adventure pulp fantasy books about royal witches who left their cozy kingdoms on quests and formed unlikely friendships with animal that could talk I thumbed through the highbrow stuff too but only to keep up appearances with my adults it impressed them I had no friends my own age so I like that she gives you a little glimpse into who she is in her writing through ways that again I find entertaining she talks about this was something I don't know if it's something I've skimmed over, I've forgotten, but she said she did have kind of dreams of being an actress at one point, which I didn't know. So she was always kind of enamored with this idea of fame. And she talks about how one of her claim to fame was saying one line to Daniel Craig in the Hollywood flop, The Invasion with Nicole Kidman. Here, sir, I found this on the roof. If I can find it, I'm gonna insert a clip right here. Sir, this was on our roof. She writes, somebody bring me an Oscar. And she would ask her mom on their drives, what do you think I'll be famous for? I hated acting, but I loved fame. Instagram had not been invented yet. Going online sounded like a telephone fucking a fax machine. Boarding schools where I finally began to live the kind of story I wanted to tell. Dun, dun, dun. And if you're at all familiar with her, she started attending Phillips Exeter Academy, which is a prep school. And that's kind of like where she realized she was like you know there's these stories about you know gossip girl and kind of school in the city but why haven't we really explored what it's like to be in this kind of like idyllic New England town going to prep school and what comes along with that and she realized that could be part of her brand one of the things that Natalie threw in her article was that they had joked about Caroline wanting to sleep with the professor David Lipsky she, Natalie, did not name him by name, but I, t I told you guys in that episode that that was his name. I told you you could give him a look up. I didn't find him particularly attractive, but to each their own. So in this, Caroline reveals his name, and she kind of counters that she didn't actually have any intentions of sleeping with him, which is definitely what Natalie implies, and Natalie says something along the lines of like, that would be demeaning to you. I'm, I'm blanking on exactly what it was, but she, she warns Caroline against it. Oh, yes. I, Kenzie's right. Kenzie has a great memory. She says it would be cliche. Caroline writes that she spent months discuss, discussing my crush on him with Natalie. And she says, in her essay for The Cut, she chose out of all our Lipsky-centric conversations to describe one in which she fantasized about him alongside me. However, the moments that stand out most in my memory are the times when she showed me how to hate him. Once our professor told me that I would grow up to be a beautiful woman if I didn't plump up. His advice struck me as grim, but avuncular and well-intentioned. I was shocked when I told Natalie what seemed like praise, and she spout out, livid, Caroline, never let anyone, especially a man, tell you that your worth is connected to your weight. 
Another one that a passage in this that I really liked, she actually posted in her Instagram before the article came out. She talks about the internalized shame she felt about being a woman who wanted to be part of the 1%. And she felt like a gold digger, even though she didn't want to marry rich and get there on her own. And she felt conniving for wanting money, even though she wanted to earn it herself. She felt shallow for coveting elite degrees, even though the advantages of elite elite agrees, degrees are real. So she talks about this when she's talking about showing Natalie her Yale box. And I do think that is, again, a dichotomy that women face. That It's like, where, where do you draw the line between this ambition and feeling shamed for it to a certain extent? Oh, uh, one of the facts that I found really juicy was that she says that Natalie is the one who actually gave her her first Adderall. So... So Natalie gives it to her. She asked for more and Natalie helped her begin buying it from her roommate's sketchy boyfriend. Caroline writes, I don't blame her for the addiction that this started. There was no way either of us could have known. And when I blew through Natalie's roommate's sketchy boyfriend's supply, this is how easy it was finding Adderall in downtown Manhattan without her. I opened the Yelp at, I typed in Adderall, and then she skimmed down. She found the doctor with the least review or, you know, least stars. And she chose that doctor so she could easily get prescribed Adderall. And I'd even go so far to say, I think it's pretty easy to get your hands on Adderall, even if you go to a good doctor, quote unquote, with a lot of stars. I think it's definitely overprescribed these days, and it really is a real addiction. I talked about that in my last episode covering this, that I think the more we start as a society realizing that the amphetamine, the speed that... uh, Adderall basically is, is incredibly addictive and can really interfere with your day-to-day life. I think the sooner that it will become another thing that we can, you know, get the stigma away from. And I applaud Caroline for, I think, you know, helping us get there in that maybe. She, you know, she applied to Yale four times and that was the maximum number that you could apply before they would literally just reject you for life. In Cambridge, she got in on the third round. And I love this line. It says, if Natalie were editing this essay, she would cut the detail I'm about to tell you next because it's just too unbelievable. The night I tore open my acceptance letter, I saw a shooting star. So that spring, she drops out of NYU. She creates an Instagram account. And another thing that she goes in kind of detail, the way she bought followers on her first account, which is another thing that wasn't shocking to me. She's talked about in the past, uh, but she hadn't talked about how she kind of used followers from another account she had bought. She would do kind of ads on there that she would then use that money to fund the fake likes on her Caroline Calloway account, which I thought that was kind of interesting and honestly kind of genius business at the time because it was so unregulated and then she goes on to write that in 2013 FTC laws about disclosing hashtag ads didn't exist and at that time they wouldn't exist for another three years and she talks about how now you could buy TikTok views but how would you leverage that into a long-term career she says I wouldn't buy Instagram followers today and don't but I would do it again then in a heartbeat No one knew where this app was going. I took a chance. I made a guess. I got it right. I don't think I should be punished for that. Again, I totally agree. I think people who really uh, jumped on the bandwagon of social media right when it hits off and get lucky with it, I mean, how can you hate them for it? Like, it's, it's smart business, even though it is a risk, kind of, that you're taking at the time. Another part I thought was interesting is that 
in Natalie's article, she kind of implies that Caroline would make her take so many pictures when they were on their vacation in Italy, in Sicily. And Caroline counters this with saying that when Caroline would be sort of self-deprecating about feeling awkward about getting photos of, you know, for the gram, Natalie brushed it off and she would say, does a fratty investment banker apologize for checking his email on vacation? No, this is work. You're working. And she jokes about how she still uses the strategy to this day. And when she has to duck away from her real life to do her online one, she says, sorry, guys, but pretend I'm a finance bro and the market's just open in Hong Kong. Uh, she also goes into the problem with that I think was one of the more disturbing parts of Natalie's article about the Skyping her to tell her basically she was going to be the turnover person to make Caroline's apartment into an Airbnb. Caroline describes really at that time how her dad was deteriorating. He was refusing to pay for her apartment anymore and help her financially. And and again, I think she's somewhat self-aware that that's already coming from a privileged place, but it's just a reason to give some context to why she was acting the way she was at the time. And she talks about how she really should have at that time hired an actual assistant, but instead she was working with Kelsey and Natalie, who were her best friends, and obviously all the problems that come with that. And um, I also thought it was interesting how she writes, what hit me like a chair over the head as I read Natalie's essay for The Cut for the first time was how much the way she described me reminded me of how I would have described Kelsey during those years. I think a lot of us have friendships in our early 20s when our own self-esteem is low that result in idolizing and catering to all the friends we perceive as having it all and then silently resenting them for it. Kelsey was tan, thin, beautiful, kind, and so rich that at her family's California house, we jogged from the stables to the kitchen for Diet Cokes because it would take too long if we walked. If I had met Natalie for the first time in her essay, as so many readers did, and Kelsey had been my only best friend during my formative young adult years, I would have thought, wow, I'm such a Natalie. So I just thought that perspective shift was interesting. I mean, who knows if that's BS, but I, I thought it was an interesting take on it. And she writes, some secrets I understand why Natalie kept to herself, but one detail in particular that she withheld as a narrator still puzzles me. I know she didn't forget because over the years she brought it up again and again during fights to hum humiliate me. No matter how many times I apologized. That day she chewed her egg salad on one side of her mouth because her other cheek was bruised. There was period blood on my sheets. I paid her to clean it up. This vanished in her essay. She included so many other moments where I seem abusive and she seems abused by me. Why not this one? So it's almost like she's kind of asking Natalie to give a response on that in some way. And that's all I have for part one. Tune in. I think we'll be doing part two, part three. If you guys like this, maybe it's going to be too much Caroline Calloway, but I just feel like it has to be covered, you guys. How can it not? And now, on to our very first official cut article of the day. Rah, rah, bitches. Ladarius Marshall is the real breakout star of Cheer by Bobby Finger. Now, Bobby Finger is the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, Who Weekly. I've said it before. I feel like Who Weekly could be a sister, sister podcast to this one. And by sister, I mean like way out of my league, cooler, popular, the Caroline to my Natalie of this podcast. But we do cover adjacent and overlapping topics. Uh, first off, this article has the most stunning pictures of Ladarius. It is worth looking at this article just to see these pictures. He is truly, truly stunning. Uh, and also Eric Tanner did a great job on the pictures, but Ladarius is like model status. He is statue, statue of David, stunning. 
Bobby does a great lead-in. He describes the smell of the gym because he actually goes to the Navarro gym. Bobby is from Austin, Texas. So I wonder if he had been home for all the Corona stuff and then just made the drive out there. Uh, he doesn't really talk about that, but I am assuming maybe that's what happened. He also talks about the intriguing personality of Ladarius that, you know, you have Lexi, who is this super laid back kind of stoner type. You have Jerry, who's so high octane and octane and upbeat and you just can't help but love him. And Ladarius, I think, is presented as one of the more nuanced characters. And I would say Ladarius and Morgan, they have a lot of sides to them. Um, and they both had really hard issues that they grew up with. And if you haven't seen Cheer yet, what the hell are you doing? It's infinitely better and more inspiring than Tiger King. I'll tell you that. And again, Ladarius is one of the more faceted characters on the show. And at the end, when you see his brother shed a single tear while watching the Daytona finals, damn, that shit got me. And this article even talks about how the show actually improved his relationship with his brother, brother and that would have never happened without the show. So here's some text from the article. It says, now that Daytona has officially been canceled, they won't be sent off into the great unknown of adulthood with the satisfying bang of an event for which they've trained all year. And in a way, their entire lives. Instead, their time at Navarro will end with a whimper. I'm just taking it day by day and accepting that this is yet another one of God's plans for me, Marshall said. I love Navarro with all of my heart and cherish every moment we had together. He talks about what he envisions for his future. After Daytona, a coaching job in Jackson, Mississippi, and maybe down the line, a house in the country with his boyfriend of four years and number one supporter, Tanner. I love that life, not that I've ever lived it, a wistful Marshall says, telling me that he have horses and goats and some big Great Danes. Without any hesitation, he reveals that his dream car is a Honda Accord, a silver one to be precise. I'm very simple and it's a practical car. I love that. I thought that was so cute. And he then compares his on and off map personalities with Nicki Minaj and her gay British alter ego, Roman Zelansky. He really looks up to Minaj. That's his idol. He says, when I perform, I act just like her. And when she performs, she's Roman. And Bobby writes, I don't tell him that Minaj killed off Roman in 2014 because it would ruin the moment. And guys, I can't read this article without reading in Bobby's voice because that sentence is so Bobby. Uh, as you see on the show, Ladar Ladarius grew up on Fort Walton Beach, Florida. I've said it many times before on here. We love a fellow Floridian on Kind of Cute. He had a mother who struggled with addiction and was given off to a neighborhood caregiver who he still really looks up to and loves to this day. But during that time, he was sexually abused. And you learn this on the show, and it's really hard to watch, and you really feel for Ladarius and everything that he's been through to this point. And he says to Bobby, when I'm performing, you're going to see me. He says, tears falling down his cheeks. In that moment, the kid in me is like, you're going to see me whether you like it or not. And I feel like that kid is finally gone. He definitely got what he wanted. He definitely feels three, free. And sadly, the article talks about how Ladarius fell into a really dark place after Cheer came out. I never wanted to be perceived as a victim, he tells me. I don't like the word. I know what I've been through, but look how far I made it. And as for his future, he's thinking about getting into radiology or acting. And guys, I think big things will come for Ladarius. He just has that je ne sais quoi. I think if he can just sort of wrangle all of his emotions and everything that he's been through, which I, I can't even imagine. Like, I literally cannot even imagine. But I think he's a star, and I really wish the best for him. Our last article of the day, What is Fluffy Coffee and Why? by Amanda Arnold. Guys, 
I just want to talk about this because my sister made fluffy coffee the other day and she made fluffy matcha, which let me tell you guys doesn't work as well. I kind of warned her, but it was still delicious because sometimes it's hard to get all the clumps out of your matcha, but because she like uh, did it with an immersion blender, oh, it was so smooth and delicioso. So Amanda Arnold writes, the drink which bears the cutesy name fluffy coffee is actually quite simple. To create it, you vigorously whisk instant coffee powder with hot water and sugar until it becomes frothy and then plop it atop cold milk. Voila! And it's truly everywhere. And it's true. Like this is all over TikTok. That's what drew drove my sister to make it. If you're not on TikTok, I told you guys last week, I, I gave you the list of dance TikTok dances to move. Please get on so I can send you stuff. All right. That was just a short little blurb about that article. That's all I wanted to say. The fluffy coffee was delicious. The matcha was delicious. Delicious. If you have any instant coffee, we actually had it only because we made homemade uh, Bailey's Irish cream out of it. And now we don't have any left. But I'm like, dang, I could go for that again. Like, it was good. They were both good. <laughs> She's, she, Kenzie was saying um, the Bailey's hit hard and was asking which one I'd want. And honestly, both. Now, my legit shit for the week. I know I've talked about this before when we were railing on how awful Victoria's Secret is, and I said airy underwear are my favorite, but I figured you're wearing your cute loungewear when you're at home, or even if you're still having to go to work. You know what you never can have enough of? Really comfortable, good nude underwear. So I'm going to post in the show notes, where you can always find my legit shit, a link to the exact pair of airy underwear that I like I'm telling you guys please get these report back to me you can get them like so cheap like tons of them they always run sales on them let me know what you think I swear they are the best underwear of all time and I will see you next week bye